0: So, I'm delighted to welcome you to another terrific panel. Uh, this panel uh, is uh, going to focus on uh, the development of uh, shipping finance, and it will provide us the point of view of those who are providing the finance. Um, John Imhoff from Better Price is going to moderate the panel. Again, we're hosting this uh, event today in partnership with City. So, I'm delighted to have Shreyas with us. And I'd like to welcome Evan, the two Evans, uh, and, and Harris Antonio. Uh, it's very interesting that later on in the day, we have another panel on finance that will provide the ship owner point of view and tell us how they are looking at the ship finance market. So, with that, John, the floor is yours. And tremendous thanks to all of you for being with us today.
1: Oh, thank you very much, Nicholas. I really appreciate the introduction and uh, welcome everyone uh, to the. Uh, financiers panel on ship finance. I'm John Imhoff. I'm the co-head of maritime finance, uh, maritime team at uh, Better Price, and a member of the Global Transportation Finance Group in New York. Uh, Better Price is an international firm with offices in the United States, London, and Singapore. (laughs) I am really delighted today to be joined by some very well-known and highly regarded uh, speakers who will address with us the topic of ship finance from the financier's pr- perspective. They have decades of experience. Uh, I, I'm going to do a little bit of a round uh, table here and ask each panelist to introduce himself and tell us a little bit about uh, his inst- himself and his institution. Let me begin first with, with Harris. Could you uh, tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and uh, Neptune Maritime?
2: Thank you, John. Uh, thank you for the introduction. Uh, great to be here. Nicholas, thank you for the invitation. Uh, Neptune My Time Leasing is a, um, probably the youngest of all organizations represented in this panel um, because we just got established uh, last year. In fact, uh, in May, uh, 2021, as a, a leasing company that will be servicing uh, small and medium enterprises in uh, shipping. Uh, we set out to, uh, set, uh, to, to, to do this because we feel that uh, leasing is a very flexible and, and uh, attractive uh, means uh, for owners to uh, in fact fund uh, the growth of their uh, fleet. Uh, and as a result, we've been um, experiencing uh, quite interesting growth and support from the maritime community. I think uh, in particular, the next few years with the growth of the fleet to cope with additional uh, demand and the uh, growth of the fleet related to the efforts to decarbonize, uh, we will have a, a very significant uh, demand for uh, financing for the global fleet. Leasing is uh, there to cover part of it, and we aspire to play a very large role uh, in it ourselves. Uh,
1: thank you, Harris. We'll come back to uh, leasing. It's on my. Uh... List of things to discuss, and uh, certainly also decarbonization. Let me turn next to uh, Shreyas. Shreyas, please tell us about yourself and, uh, and City's role in uh, ship finance.
3: Certainly, Th- thank you, John. Um, so I'm the global head of shipping at, at City. We've been active, when we say shipping, it's really shipping offshore and maritime logistics. So we include things like ports uh, and container terminals as part of our, of our mandate. Uh, we have had a um, pretty interesting uh, couple of decades. I think we've been through the cycles. Uh, certainly my own direct team has. Um, and of course, uh, we're looking forward to the next stage of the energy transition and how that impacts uh, our, our, uh, our portfolio. Uh, but I think you know, uh, as, as the overall group of uh, shipping interested financiers sort of uh, moves more into the leasing space, alternative finance space, and the traditional banks start to start shrinking, uh, as I believe is going to happen uh, over time, given where ESG is headed, uh, I think that presents a lot more interesting challenges and, and opportunities uh, for, for the people on this call uh, and, uh, and, and beyond.
1: Thank you, Shreyas. So Evan Cohen, welcome. Tell us a
4: little bit about yourself and uh, CIT, please. Hey, good morning, John. Yeah, you have to distinguish between the Evans today. Um, <laughs> So, the interesting thing, most interesting thing about uh, CIT, it's now a division of First Citizens Bank. So, as of the beginning of this year, we were acquired and have been merged into First Citizens Bank, um, which creates an institution twice the size of CIT. So, we've doubled in size and still have a good, strong appetite for the maritime business we developed over the past few years at CIT. So that's good news. And for the owners listening, that means, yes, we do have a bigger balance sheet. And for the American banks, the cost of capital has never been the big issue. Um, We continue to focus on mainstream assets. So uh, sort of taking off from what Shreya said, my mandate as the head of the shipping team is a bit narrower. We focus on tankers container ships and bulk carriers and we don't go too far outside of that but there is plenty of business to do there for, for lots of reasons we'll chat about and some of our important clients are firms like the one harris's started and managing right now where we work with the funds the private equity houses and for the rest it's been so long since well a lot of us uh, have good histories and we know each other from different places in my days at dvb i had the chance to work with everybody on this panel so great thank much. you evan 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 ulick DNB,
1: tell us what you're doing please
5: yeah so it's evan ulick um so i, I represent uh DMB bank and sorry about that and in particular, uh, I run our ocean industries division within the Americas. Um, ocean industries is pretty much a representation of Norway internationally with four key industry verticals. The first is an oil and gas e vertical. The second is offshore energy, which is really se- separated into a services type business, as well as our offshore wind business, which is growing tremendously. And really exciting things going on there. Um, Third is our maritime business, which uh, similar to Shreyas is is fairly well encompassing and includes the ports and logistics uh, element as well. And then last but not least uh, is our seafood business, which uh, also employs uh, maritime uh, assets. Um, Taken together and maybe focusing more on the uh, traditional maritime business, uh, 2021, Was one of our most active years in recent history uh, globally. Um, For for now, getting on the better part of a decade, DNB has really reorganized its business model into kind of a leaner, um, more nimble corporate and investment banking type franchise. And I think that's our continued focus as we move into 2022 is continuing to serve uh, our corporate uh, customers, which is inclusive of our private equity sponsor relationships with a particular focus on the energy transition, which we view is even more important uh, today with the the kind of increasing focus on energy security and the manifold investments that are necessary in infrastructure to continue to build it out.
1: Thank you, Evan, great. Uh, We'll come back to uh, energy security in a minute. Um, But first, let's just jump right into it. Uh, This panel's, Part of the panel is, is uh, intended to focus on capital needs of shipping companies and what the options might be and uh, what what can fit into company toolkits and fits best with uh, your strategies. Let me start by asking you, um, you know, what are ship owners looking for these days in finance? Evan Nulik, do you wanna start that
5: off? Um, sure. Um, you know, it, it's quite interesting um, and, and uh, I don't necessarily think that ship owners have magically found religion. Um, I think it's more just we are running right now um, in an area, in, in, a, in an arena where the total quantum of leverage and I think the governance is far higher for ship owners. Um, in addition to that, and I, I like how Shreyas uh, used a multi-decade view here. Um, the game has really changed from a, you know, senior bank debt and equity type of relationship to what we feel is, is a much more diverse, much more interesting, uh, holistic, um, kind of view of maritime finance, which, which allows, um, very interesting structures, um, like leasing or the kind of cooperation of, uh, you know, a junior and a senior lender in a structure to exist in, in this era. But again, I think broadly speaking, you know, you're seeing much less new building activity, and you're seeing much more of a focus on on capital discipline, running at lower total quantum's of leverage. Um, the other thing that I'll just pick back up on is, you know, the few proud survivors that are still operating in this in this beaten down. Industry again, whether or not it's it's the banks that are still uh, here or some of the new entrants. Um, I do think there is uh, fertile ground um, for the folks for the for the financiers that have have made it through this part of the cycle and, and are now kind of poised for better days ahead.
1: Traya, I see you nodding. What what did you agree with there? And what can you add? Um, I
3: think to to contextualize where we are, I think we've, we've all realized that a lot of investment is going to be required to take shipping into the future. We know that that is the case. We also know whether we are comfortable with the thought, but we also know that the final consumer has to pay the price of that transition. How that cost goes through all the layers down to the final consumer uh, is, is a mechanism that we allow market forces to determine, don't we? We are comfortable with it. We know it's worked in the past. The problem is we don't have time today to allow those transitions to take the multi-decade uh, timeframes that it normally takes. So when LNG was first shipped, uh, the, the risk of LNG shipbuilding was taken on by the all majors because there was no way for uh, startup companies to deal with that risk. But then it took us 30 years to have speculative LNG ships being built, for example. And now those do get financed uh, because there are contractual cash flows backing that kind of risk. But now we don't have 30 years to address offshore wind farms, new methanol, carbon uh, carrying ships, CO2 carrying ships, all of the new technologies that we're going to need. So here we we are, we are talking about ship owners and their capital needs. But in my view, this is just a very, very small part of the overall question of how the energy transition is paid for by the consumer and who the winners and losers are in that process.
1: Hmm. Thank you, Shreya. So Evan, Evan Cohen, um, uh, sounds like there's a lot of, uh, of change going on in finance um, and your institutions are all trying to, to figure out how to deal with that. How is CIT? approaching all the change that is coming through in the market and trying to meet its clients, its customers' needs?
4: Yeah, there's there's definitely change. changes coming. And as Shreya said, change is coming sooner rather than later. But the clients are still facing the same issue they've always faced, which is first, it's availability of capital. So the, the ships are still expensive things. They are, look like they're going to get more expensive, but Availability of capital. Now, with us on the panel and some others, the capital is there. It's a little bit, it's a little bit more available than it was a couple of years ago. But if from the ship owner side, there's not nearly enough players out there. So there's there's room to do more business. And then from the ship owner side, the second issue is always the cost of capital. So we see there's capital available at decent prices and each of our institutions respond differently. I think there's pressure on all of us in terms of price, in terms of the cost. So from a domestic uh, American bank has a certain cost of capital, a private equity has a different cost of capital. And I think we're all feeling the pressure to some degree. So I I think those are the first two things most of the ship owners I meet think about. Okay, thank you Evan. (laughs) <laughs> Go ahead. No, I don't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, no. Where, where am I going to get the money
1: and how much is it going to cost? Yes, exactly. Let me turn to you, Harris. Harris, you, you mentioned that you're attracting a lot of interest from ship owners uh, with with your um, market offering and leasing. Tell us a little bit about that and how that might fit into a ship owner's uh, uh, portfolio of sources of capital.
2: Well, I, I remember I think one of the first conferences that I attended was in London back in the early 90s. And, um, you know, the question uh, at that conference where, uh, was, you know, where is shipping going to get the funds needed uh, you know, for the expansion of the fleet in the next few years? Because, you know, the, the challenges that we face today are very much similar to the ones we faced 10 years ago and 20 years ago, because there's always a question where is shipping going to get the money from mm-hmm. to fund the expansion. The reality is that. One way or the other, um, the markets are uh, efficient, and to the extent that there is a dislocation, um, you know, capital finds a, a way to flow to that to the, you know to those areas. And the reality is that, uh, and we all know that because we've been bankers for almost thirty years, you know, we know that there is a, a massive exodus, definitely from European banks, when it comes to the, their presence and exposure uh, in shipping for regulatory reasons, plus idiosyncratic reasons. I don't think that's going to change, not in the, in, in the short run um, to start with. And that massive exodus created that dislocation, and there's new entrants coming to, uh, to cover that space. I mean, we've seen, and as a result, we've seen the growth of uh, you know, various uh, funds that came in to provide credit. Uh, to shipping, as well as the growth of uh, ship leasing as an alternative means of funding uh, the fleet. Um, The Chinese have played a very large part in making a leasing a, um, I would say, not even an alternative asset class, but more of a mainstream asset class. And it's my firm belief, after many years of of experience in the sector, that leasing is going to play this, uh, this role. And it's going to be one of the tools available to ship owners Uh, to fund uh, the fleets uh, and the growth. And I always draw this parallel between the shipping and the aviation industry. Some of us have worked in it as well. In the 70s, the early 70s, aviation leasing was only 1% of the global aviation uh, fleet. Now it's more than 50%. So within 40 years or more, it's more than 50%. um, And imagine how much bigger the fleet is today compared to what it was in the 70s. And I expect for the reasons that I mentioned earlier, regulatory and capital flows, that leasing is going to follow a similar trajectory uh, when it comes to shipping. It's going to be one of the mainstream sort of asset classes and financing uh, methods uh, for the years to come. And and also um, because of the fact that, you know, we've seen a massive growth in in, um, available capital as a result of accommodative Uh, central bank uh, policies, obviously um, the globalization that we've lived through in the past 30 or 40 years made shipping grow very significantly on the back of China entering WTO and everything else. Um, Now that may be coming to a halt or a slowdown, but at the same time, the very positive uh, signal that we get is that we have uh, spending on resilience rather uh, than efficiency. So that's going to help shipping again. We see that with the LNG uh, business uh, you know, over the past uh, couple of weeks, but also very significant spending on renewables. And I would completely agree with Sreya's uh, comments earlier. The question is how we're gonna make sure that we as financiers are gonna help uh, in a, a ship owners uh, drive down or sail down that path towards a more renewable shipping.
1: Ah, oh, okay. <laughs> we've heard from you harris sort of your focus on the market and evan cohen told told us about cit's focus on the market let me turn to shreyas i mean what offerings do you have at cit for ship owners and uh uh to to add to their quiver of arrows in financing i
3: I think it's a team sport um, I, I don't think anybody wants to have um, uh, 100% exposure to any any particular sector or group of clients. Uh, we do all have our little parts to play. And the part that city plays is that we bring a large global bank with, with a presence in, in uh, over 100 countries that large, sophisticated um, shipping clients, uh, offshore clients, and maritime logistics clients can actually uh, you know move money, uh, from uh, jurisdiction A to B without any, with the least amount of hassle. I'm not saying it's without hassles, especially now with the geopolitical situation being what it is and sanctions. So I'll put that in brackets on the side of my comment. Uh, but what, what people do need is a large bank that allows the general trends of cash management, trade finance, letters of credit, um, revolving credit lending, and all of the the Uh, flotsam and jetsam of of corporate banking, traditional corporate banking um, products, that's what Citi provides. And so we do target the higher end uh, of of all of the sectors simply because they are larger and more sophisticated and would like to use our machine as much as possible globally. Now, having said that, obviously there are um, sectors which are smaller and yet critical to the global economy and critical to, to the global supply chain. And I think, you know, as, 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 as Evan said, uh, Evan Ulick said earlier, uh, you know, there, are, there is a role for all of us to, to play within that. So even if, for example, offshore wind farms uh, and their installation and servicing, that might be now a small sector, it is a sector that we would like to play in because it, it goes to our strengths in terms of allowing our capital to make a positive change in the world. And we want to make that positive change. So we have outlined various commitments in various fora, GFANS um, is, is the latest one, uh, as, as you might have heard, where banks are committing to certain exposures. We would like to bring our capital to come in and make, make, that, make those changes. So size um, and, and scalability and sophistication, uh, these are sort of the, the, the core elements of how City looks at the sector. Um, it isn't going to double and triple uh, in a very short time. Uh, obviously, there are limits to how, how much you can grow within the, within the space. And there is a great deal of technical expertise that one is looking for in our borrowers uh, that gives us comfort that they know what they're doing because ultimately I'm not the expert on, 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 on crewing or technical management or, or commercial. I, I do rely on my clients to do that, uh, but we are um, therefore self-selecting uh, for those kinds of people in our portfolio, so it is a complicated process, and I and I don't think uh, you know uh, any one any one bank or institution or type of institution can carry this sector. So you know, as I said, Team Sport uh, and and with Harris and Evan Cohen, uh, with the leasing space and 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 with the doubling of CIT, as, as Evan Cohen said, you know we're looking forward to more cooperation in the space.
1: Awesome. That's fantastic. Uh, <laughs> uh, let me turn it over to Evan. Your uh, Evan. Evan, look. You. You. At DNB is is a is a big bank. Um, and has a lot of opera uh, a lot of things to offer ship owners. Tell us a little bit about that. And if I might use this question to kind of transition into the next, I'm going to ask two questions. Uh, how 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 does. Uh, you know, how does, what does DNB bring to the table for ship owners? And then second, what do you see as the biggest change coming for ship finance? We've got a lot of things that are out there that are um, affecting the in, the industry and affecting the markets, everything from from um, geopolitical uh, risk and change to um, energy transition for shipping. Tell us a little bit about, you can answer those two questions, Evan. I appreciate it. Evan, thank you yeah well there
5: there's a i think there's i counted more than two uh so let me try <laughs> you, uh right. let, me, let, me, let me jump around a little bit uh john um look i i don't think this needs to be an advertising section for dnb here but um and and this goes for all of the fine institutions and, and folks on this panel but we have been here through the cycle uh and in the great and immortal words of, of tom brady you know we're still here or or still here actually really matters at at this time. Um, You know, we are well known to our customers. Um, We have the capabilities of a big bank in a, you know, smaller, nimble, industry focused um, institution that's ready to deploy capital quickly um, and and agilely for, for, you know, largest clients. Um, I think where we want to position the business is again, around this integrated corporate and investment banking model. We work um, seamlessly with our colleagues um, in a very tight uh, structure. Um, and I think part of what's exciting right now, both within an offshore energy context and a maritime context, and by the way, we're working with Shreyas' team on a lot of different fund situations, but you know, the ability to deploy large amounts of capital quickly to support um, consolidations and/or acquisitions, that is, I think, one of the more interesting and exciting facets of the industry right now. The the industry has gotten a you know some cash flows.
4: It's returning to some semblance of normalcy. From uh, I, th- I think
1: we may have lost Evan. Can the rest of you hear me? Yeah, we'll okay, sorry, Evan. We've we've you, your video seems to so have frozen, um, but appreciate it. Let me pick up on the next the second of the two questions I thought I asked of the of the many that I maybe did ask. Um, what are the biggest challenges going ahead for uh, ship finance? Uh, maybe uh, Evan Cohen, you can tell us a little bit about what CIT is seeing.
4: Yeah. Okay, let me take a a running start into that. So the running start is we've had the pleasure, luxury of working with everybody on the panel. So in different capacities. So as I said, it's a team sport, we're all playing uh, different roles in it. Um, We provide the senior debt sometimes, the the lowest part of the capital structure, relatively the cheapest part of it. So what do we try to bring? We try to bring reliable senior debt, knowledgeable senior debt, but we have today 30 clients, let's say, and we're we'll aiming over the next 24 months to have 50 clients and double the size of our exposure, but not changing the size of our focus. So again, tankers, dry bulk and container ships. So, um, some of my colleagues on the panel know that we dig in and try, really try to understand the, the clients and we all play a role with those clients. Um, so what are we seeing as the biggest challenge are the challenges our clients face. How are they gonna get crew in these these times? Do they have enough crew? How are they, and uh, how are they gonna meet their increasing uh, compliance and regulatory requirements? How are they facing their challenge of the ESG requirements? So I, I think Harris alluded to it or said it earlier. Yeah, for the, from the finance side, we've been through this before. It, it, we're ship, ship finance tends to find a solution. It's right now, my mind is more on, OK, what kind of solutions will our clients need? What are the challenges are they facing? I hope that answers your question, John.
1: Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Evan. Evan Ulick, you kind of dropped out. I want to give you an opportunity to finish up what you, your, your thought.
5: Yeah, s- sorry about that. Um, uh, we, we're in the midst of a planetary challenge right now of trying to figure out how this energy transition will, will shape the world. Um, I think the shipping industry has done actually quite an admirable job of, of uh, providing thought leadership and, and trying to figure out, solutions for our own industry to the, the great and, and serious problems of admissions for me the, the next phase is really you know who's going to step forward and finance the new vessel uh classes the, the new fuel sources um that is still a huge question mark in in my mind and i do think it will take a very brave institution that will be financing some of these new technologies the hope is, is that we can work uh, together collectively, uh, both with multinationals, as well as governments, committed financial institutions, but also ship owners to try to figure out what this new technology is and how we can, you know, as as, a, as an entire community, find ways to reduce the emissions and, and bridge into the energy transition. I, I think for DNB, those are the, the biggest questions, and it percolates into our whole underwriting, client selection, and, and capital allocation processes when we think about how this next, you know, 50 years of maritime is gonna
1: play out. Thank you, thank you, Evan. Uh, Harris, how about you? I mean, in, in, in from your perspective as a, um, in, in leasing and shipping, uh, obviously there's gonna be a lot of change to, to meet the energy transition coming and, uh, uh, how how is how is Neptune Maritime suit uh, you know adapting or or responding to that change from its its customers?
2: That, that, yes, I mean it's sort of a very interesting question. Obviously, we you know we we are all figuring out how to answer the uh, transition issue. But in shipping right now, uh, we have two uh, issues to solve because there's a very clear bifurcation in the market. And I refer to the fact that most of the larger financial institutions uh, tend to uh, service larger shipping companies. And um, and as a result of that, uh, the smaller shipping companies or the medium-sized shipping companies are left somewhat unattended. So, um, and they're the ones that provide the backbone uh, for for the world fleet. Uh, If my uh, memory serves me right, I think it's 60% still today, 60% Sixty percent, more or less, of the assets uh, ships that are floating around are owned by a small and medium-sized uh, companies, not the very large ones. And obviously, we need to have an answer on uh, on how uh, this company is going to be able to renew the fleet. Uh, renew meaning not only with young, new buildings, but also you know re- replenishment, second-hand acquisitions, etc. So that's a role. That is a very important role if we want the supply chains to continue functioning, because at the end of the day, we're talking about resilience we're talking about the fact that ships. Need to be able to transport commodities around the world and that's an essential uh, function, so we are here as a a Neptune leasing to provide funding for the smaller uh, owners as well and become really the conduit that allows capital to flow either through investors or banks. Uh, through Neptune to those smaller owners that are you know, more difficult to access uh, funding. So that's number one. Number two, when it comes to uh, support for the transition that you, you talked about, obviously, you know, the very large, you know, investment-grade shipping companies, the likes of Maersk or others, do have access to uh, funding. Um, banks are still obviously very eager to deal with them, and as, as are the capital markets. And um, so uh, what what we are trying uh, to do is to uh, not just provide funding, uh, but also think alongside our owners uh, and the management of those shipping companies that we work uh, with and help them in the thinking, thinking process uh, uh, towards this energy transition. That means we think alongside them in terms of technology, uh, in terms of fuels and in terms of retrofits. And I think you know, if you ask me the question, how does you know, leasing gonna play a role in this uh, transition, at least where we're coming from, uh, we play a role in two ways. Uh, one is through uh, being involved uh, in, in understanding and financing new buildings that embrace those new technologies. And secondly, being involved in financing also uh, existing vessels that would need to go through some sort of a retrofit process if they're going to comply with the regulations that are coming into play as of next year. So there is a transition period, as you know, of about three years for older ships um, to um, to become more compliant and reduce emissions or reduce speed. So these are the two ways we we, we think about ESG and the energy transition.
1: And uh, I can't. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Harris. That's, that's uh... John, if
2: I may, may I mean,
3: I was going to turn to you,
1: I was going to turn (laughs) to you, please tell us your thoughts. And if you don't mind, add in a little bit of your thoughts on uh, on the geopolitical situation and its effect on shipping.
3: Sure. You know, you asked the question, you know, challenge. um, And of course, the opportunity is embedded in that. And I think, you know, Evan said planetary challenge and all the comments that Harris has made about, you know, all the the, the, the ignored SMEs in shipping, uh, who are actually the backbone of, of what we're trying to accomplish. The point that I want to add here is that we in shipping as an industry have never had as much power as we have today in terms of where we have impacted the global consciousness of how important shipping is to trade, whether you want to talk about evergreen and the Suez Canal or with all of the stuff that's happened in COVID. And despite all the disruptions, we still have kept global trade going at enormous cost to our seafarers, right? And I think that payment or that sort of investment that we have made in the sweat and tears of 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 our seafarers should come back in terms of respect for this industry. And we have actually got that power today and how we need to react with that power is to we need to realize that whether it's the SME, uh, in the SME sector or whether it's a larger ship owners, we have got to stop quibbling about 50 basis points here and there 100 basis points here and there. And we need to find a better way to get those costs moved up to the charters so that, to my earlier point, those, char- those costs can be moved over to the consumers. And when you democratize that cost, it is literally pennies at at uh, you know in uh, at on the shop floor right so let's find let's target our efforts in that direction using our power to get this cost democratized at at the shop floor so i think we're not really doing that very well i think we're still quibbling we're still sort of stuck in the old ways of thinking where we didn't have power so that change has to occur in the way we think now that uh, very rough segue into geopolitics um, you know, we've, we've had these upheavals before and there will be more to come. Um, I, 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 I do feel that the problem we have with geopolitics in the way it affects shipping is the law of unintended consequences and unforeseen uh, connections. You know, somebody doesn't get paid on time. they might have a derivative that, that can't be margin settled. Uh, that brings down some part of their financing uh, and, and so on and so forth a lot of things that could happen in a chain reaction that we have not yet seen. So I, I would give it another quarter to see where those um, uh, sort of chain reactions play out. Uh, but in the, in the geopolitical uh, sanction space, I think Russia, uh, other than the, the obvious contribution of Russian and Ukrainian seafarers who make up, as I understand, 17 to 18% of our overall 1.5 million seafarer population, um, the, it, it plays otherwise a smaller role in, in the shipping aspect. Of course, if you look at wheat, and I think all of us have, have looked at all the statistics, in the last four weeks, we've become experts on where the commodities come from. Um, that is, a, is a, obviously a massive um, uh, impact on, on the global uh, driver fleet. And of course, as you play down through the chain, uh, it, it will include containers and, and tankers, um, whether it's through the ghost fleet or the black, Uh, sort of cargo that will move through other ports. So I think we in shipping have a role to play in in taking the shock of this geopolitical event and distributing it safely through the world. And we will continue to do that. But the the payback for this industry has to take into account the higher uh, and more intense power we have now to make that change and translate that into uh, uh, more impactful consumer level low cost increases that then pay for the transition that pay for the geopolitical impact that pays for the for the cost of covid uh, that that some parts of shipping are still reeling from i'm taking yeah. away container shipping here because obviously they've had have uh, have had um, uh, supernatural profits uh, as as one of my colleagues called it uh, but it is it is a it is a um, challenge of the mind of how we think about shipping and that's, that's obviously always the hardest thing to change. Yep.
1: Thank you, Joe. We have about a minute left. Thank you, Shreyas. Uh, any final thoughts from the panel uh, before, as we wind up
5: here? I just wanted to support Shreyas' comment about not quibbling over those 50 to 100 basis points. I thought that was very sage advice by Shreyas. And uh, DNB is delighted to be here and uh, certainly open for business and, and um, here to support our clients. Thank you, Evan. Any
1: any any other further thoughts? Well, uh, we we'll end up uh, about uh, thirty seconds uh, early, but I uh, want to thank all of the panelists for uh, their contributions and welcome and and uh, thank you for joining us and shedding light on your on your um or, or giving us your views on on the market and what your institutions are seeing. Uh, and I want to thank also. Uh, Nick and Annie zoo at uh, capital link uh, the whole team there for uh, hosting the panel and letting us well, share
0: thoughts. thank you very much for my end as expected it has been a very interesting panel very interesting discussion and look capital is one of the key topics for shipping shipping is a capital intensive industry so thank you to all for uh, for joining us Thank you, Nicholas. Thank you, Nicholas. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank
2: Thank you. you.